And so I used to joke, the possums kind of trained me well, and every night at dusk I kind of look up to the sky to work out if it's a good night for possums. And this is about as good as it gets. So it's quiet, and you can hear sounds from a long way away. So later when we try to call some possums in and find them, it'll become really important. You're listening to Fauna, a podcast by Zoos Victoria, where we take you backstage at Hillsville Sanctuary, Melbourne Zoo and Werribee Open Range Zoo. In this episode, we're searching for a very special creature. I've never heard anyone ever look at it and think this is not an attractive animal. So I'm Rachel Lowry, Director of Wildlife Conservation and Science at Zoos Victoria. The Leadbeater's possum is a very different looking possum compared to what we're used to seeing in our urban areas with our ringtails and our brushtail possums. The Leadbeater's possum is very small. It sits very comfortably in the palm of your hand. It's got really intricate black stripe markings on its face and big eyes that take up almost its entire facial frame. Really sweet little ears, very much tuned into the environment around it. Beautiful long tail where the coloration changes and darkens towards the end of its tip. Very fluffy and furry, the type of things that we have a natural disposition to love as humans. There's a lot to love about lead beaters and they're Victoria's faunal emblem. But it's pretty rare to get a sighting. Leadbeater's possums lived undetected in Yellingbow Nature Conservation Reserve until 1986, when they were discovered quite by chance by Hillsville Sanctuary biologist Ian Smales. Until then, it was thought the tiny possum was only found in Victoria's central highlands. The lowland population is genetically distinct, and in the decades since it was discovered at Yellingbow, numbers have crashed as the quality of the possum's habitat has deteriorated. The population was sitting at around 60 animals five years ago, and so that was devastatingly low. And certainly the advice that was coming from the recovery team at the time was that this population, this lowland leadbeater population, deserved conservation intervention in its own right. That is when Hillsville Sanctuary began its Leadbeater's Possum Captive Breeding Program. But even after five years of trying they still haven't bred a single leadbeater's possum in captivity. We weren't expecting animals to breed in the first one to two years, and so they were faring quite well. The keepers were working out the husbandry. We were doing everything we could to make sure that we provided them with high-quality animal welfare with their time in our care at Hillsville Sanctuary. But then by year three, we started to feel a little worried, and by year four, you notice that Dan Harley would walk around with his shoulders a little more slumped than usual. And this year, most certainly, it's come to a point where we're looking at 38 individuals in the wild now. So we're, we're losing this battle, and that means desperate times are well and truly on our doorstep. Yeah, so we're at Yellingbow Nature Conservation Reserve and we're currently walking into Nest Tree 2, which was a site occupied by a large, vigorous, strong possum family for about 20 years. This is Dan Harley. Dan is the threatened species biologist at Zoos Victoria, working on the recovery program for the lowland leadbeater's possums. So this is Nest Tree 2, 
This is the tree that the family of Leadbitter's possums lived in and it's rotten and hollowed out through the center and ultimately the cracks in the trunk became so wide that in a windstorm the tree collapsed so it's no longer usable by the possums. Gradually the habitat declined and the number of possums in the family group declined in response to that and we haven't found any possums here for the past 18 months and we fear that they've gone. Where we're standing is quite open now. You can see there's lots of light, we can see the sky. When the, this possum family was at its strongest, we were in 100%, it was like being in a cave. The vegetation was so thick. We were surrounded by a dense wall of tea tree that was really enclosed. And it was the most amazing experience at dusk because you would stand three meters back from the possum's den tree and they would come out a height of about four meters, run down the trunk, run down a tea tree branch, and they would run over your right shoulder out into the swamp. Dan knows this section of forest intimately. He's been coming back to Yellingbo regularly for more than 20 years. So this was the first spot that I saw lead beaters at Yellingbo. And I had spent the day out in the reserve with the ranger. It was in 1993. And to be honest, I was pretty daunted. I'm like, I can't follow possums in this. But I had a map that showed the location where some past researchers had located a leadbeater's colony and it had a little dot on it, which was supposedly the tree that they denned in. I took this map and thought, I wonder if I can find that tree. So I spent an hour and then I eventually ended up where we're standing now, which is below an old dead tree that was probably about 25 metres tall, right on the edge of the swamp. And I thought, I'll come back at dusk and just sit and see if anything comes out. Sure enough, six possums came out that night and ran within a metre of me. And so that's when I was hooked. Ever since then, Dan's been monitoring the possums and the forest. It's dusk. We're standing beside Cockatoo Swamp at Yellingbow Nature Conservation Reserve, just over an hour's drive northeast of Melbourne. What I'm looking at now is degraded swamp forest, and I remember when it looked different, and I remember when it was full of they beat us possums and helmeted honey eaters. I remember when the canopy was green and the site was pumping with birds. So when I look at it, probably what I see is what we've lost. So the story of Leadbeater's possum conservation isn't a story about possums, it's a story about trees. If we look after the forest and we provide the right forest conditions, the possums will take care of themselves. The Cockatoo Swamp section of Yellingbo is a narrow ribbon of vegetation, about six kilometres long, but only a couple of hundred metres wide. When Dan first started working on the possums, he found that they were distributed across the entire length of the swamp. Right across that full six kilometres. Now... As the habitat has declined and we've lost lots of those possum families, 
the range of the possum in the reserve has contracted to just a couple of kilometres and they're in an incredibly precarious state. At the high point out here, around 2001, 2002, 2003, the possum population was up around 110 individuals, 112 individuals, very high breeding rates. The colony sizes were large and the population really seemed to be pumping. All of the suitable foraging habitat was occupied and I didn't have great concerns. You know, the, the, the challenges were they were confined to a single locality and the amount of foraging habitat was limited, but everything that was there was full of possums and the population was going quite well. As the vegetation condition in the reserve has declined and that's largely due to the alterations to the hydrology and the waterlogging effect, and, and ultimately the vegetation dieback that has arose. That population has declined from 112 back to the 2017 estimate was 38 individuals, and the population's about to fall over. And so we're really at the point where we need to take some risks or we will lose this. All right, back to the car. The light is fading. Dan is keen to keep moving. This is the time of night to start to get twitchy. The light starts to fade and you can start to tingle a bit that there are possums out there somewhere. They'll be stirring in their nests. Like they're within a minute or two each night. And so I don't know what they're queuing in on, but I bet they're listening to the birds. And often kookaburras are the sound that marks a transition from the day creatures to the night creatures. And so whether they're using bird calls or whether it is a body clock or whether it's light fading, um, you can see the vegetation's a little thicker. Are you up for a walk? So what is it? 400 metres to the enclosure. It's about a 10 minute walk. We're on our way to visit an enclosure for the Leadbeater's possums in Zoos Victoria's captive breeding program. Most of the sky is now blocked out by a thick wall of vegetation that is about eight metres above our head. And there are vertical stems all around us and they're in really close spacing, so they're quite hard to walk through. But then in between all of those vertical stems, there are fallen stems leaning at about 45 degrees. And when I look around, I can see a dozen of those stems and those stems become really important movement pathways for lead beaters. It, it sort of epitomizes the harder it, the forest is for us to walk through, the better it is for a leadbeater's possum to move through. Jump in. We are in the middle of the forest at Yalimbo, about 500 metres from the nearest vehicle track, and we've descended down through the open woodland into the floodplain forest, and really one of the thickest patches of floodplain forest where we've constructed an enclosure where we can hold possums for a period, transitioning them from 
Isville Sanctuary back into the wild. And so it's what we call a soft release enclosure. And the idea is that animals get held in the enclosure temporarily to give them some time to adjust to the sounds of the environment and to look out of the enclosure and just get a sense of where they are with the idea then that when you open the doors, they don't bolt, but they'll stay in the local area and try to learn the runways and, and where the best feeding sites are in that local forest. Hillsville Sanctuary staff built the soft-release enclosure in the hopes that the captive leadbeaters would have more breeding success in the wild than they've had in captivity. And so the intent is that we would hold animals in the structure for anything up to two weeks prior to letting them explore their new home. You might have heard these tiny possums referred to as fairy possums. So in the 1970s, some researchers that were working on what we need to put in place to protect forests, to conserve leadbeater's possums, were thinking about the possum's behaviour and came up with the name, we should be calling this animal the fairy possum, really to, I think, try to spark the imagination of Victorians. You know, it's difficult to value or love things that you can't see or that are so hidden and in some ways this animal's elusiveness hasn't served it well and if you think about lead beaters they're incredibly fast they're incredibly small so they're entirely different to the garden variety of possum people are familiar with from the suburbs they weigh less than an apple and you know they're 10 times faster than a ringtail possum or a brushtail possum and what those two things mean is they don't make any sound because they're small and they're fast, so they're there and then they're gone. And so they're like these ethereal sprites that live in ancient lush green forests. And so I think what those researchers had in mind is, you know, this is an animal that wouldn't be out of place in Tolkien's Middle Earth. And let's try to come up with a name that helps capture some of that magic for the wider public that don't get to venture to the forests and see the possum. This is, I used to say to people, possums have really trained me well. I would do lots of stag watching at dusk, which is basically sitting under a tree hollow where the possums were, so I could get a count on how many members were in the family and keep track of them. Because I did it so much, I just instinctively got in the habit of at dusk looking at, is there much wind or not? Wind is not a good thing when you're trying to watch animals emerge at, at dusk and so I used to joke the possums kind of trained me well and every night at dusk I kind of look up to the sky to work out if it's a good night for possums and this is about as good as it gets so it's quiet and you can hear sounds from a long way away so later when we try to call some possums in and find them it'll become really important when the light fades, I think the forest, it's what some people probably call the cathedral effect. When people walk into a church, it feels quite intimate and, and there's a spiritual element to it. And I think when you're in the forest at dusk, and particularly when you're in a quite an enclosed, contained part of the forest, it feels like you're in quite a, a sheltered, intimate space and so whispering seems a natural thing to do the other reason I will whisper always after dark is I'm always listening to see what's moving behind me 
And so if you talk quietly, you can still hear what's going on. I've actually had these beach possums come in and check me out when I've been whispering at times. So they're quite curious. Right across Australia, there are all these amazing mammals that are often small and active after dark. And it's kind of a tragedy that no one knows about them. And the Leadbeater's kind of fits that category perfectly. But I often reflect it was these possums that introduced me tonight in the forest and it's, it's extraordinary. In that way, they've given me a sense of place and, and the possums have basically lured me to places that few people venture. In the years Dan's been visiting Yellingbo, he's been so focused on the lives of the leadbeaters. But they've been having an impact on him too. They've shaped several aspects of my life in quite major ways. They've influenced how I think about weather, how I think about time, even to the point where if you think about this possum, it actually challenges how we think about time because the dentries on which it relies take more than a century to develop and fires can wipe them out overnight. 38 individuals is not a great starting base to set a a population up for 20,000 years. We're dealing with entities that have survived ice ages. And in a couple of centuries, we've sort of placed cumulative threats that have unraveled that. And so that's a roaming way of saying, there's no question they're shaping my perspectives. I think the possums have actually enabled me to learn a lot about myself. And there are almost all these gifts they've given me you know they've connected me with some patches of forest and some place they've opened me up to the night but they've also forced me to think about who I am and who I want to be yeah so they're quite big things so this is prime habitat This is my favourite part of the reserve too. We're now walking through the driest floodplain in the reserve. From the possum's perspective, it has the best vegetation. Our chances of spotting a wild leadbeater's possum are high. So like this is sort of prime habitat. So just super thick. And then these emergent eucalypts. Yeah, so this habitat here would be 10 out of 10. So it ticks all the boxes. We've got a large number of emergent eucalypts, which are critical for foraging, but then very high stem density in the mid-storey. And so that provides great movement pathways through the forest, but also a really important secondary source of food for the possums. So that mid-storey layer is absolutely critical. All right. Let's just call and see what happens. Right, we can call just in here. Dan is imitating the call of the leg beater's possum. 
We're hoping a wild possum will be curious enough to appear and respond. He points out the possum on the screen of a thermal camera. We can just see its outline. Just here, there. The possum is close by. But we're yet to spot it with our own eyes. We strain our ears in case it calls back to Dan. We try desperately to stay quiet. Any sudden movements, any loud sounds, and the possum could dart away. So it's on that lean, that eucalypts there. Right, so let's see. We inch closer. Moving is difficult. The undergrowth is so thick. Leaves and branches crack around us. It's just inside of this there. Dan shines his red torchlight on the possum. The possum doesn't answer Dan's call. It stays still and quiet, perched in a tree. We watch for a moment while it stares back with wide eyes. This is what it sounds like when a leadbeater's possum calls in response to Dan. We didn't hear it on the night we visited Yellingbow. This audio was recorded on one of Dan's stag-watching visits in 2012. Back then, the population numbered 60. As the years go on, these tiny, elusive creatures are getting harder and harder to see and hear. I've gone and, and sat there and done stag watching and watched these little possums come out at night and sneak back into their hollows. Or you watch them almost dance and jump from one branch to the other. How do we open that magic up for a broader Victoria to experience? Because once you've seen it, you, do, you wouldn't want to ever commit yourself to a future that doesn't have leadbeater's possums in it. They're just phenomenal little animals. And I've had people that aren't conservationists and aren't necessarily pro-wildlife loving people come out and have you know their hair stand on end because there is just a certain magic. People call them fairy possums for a reason. There's just a certain something that goes on out there that I'd love to bottle up and share with the rest of Victoria. I've been watching them after dark for 25 years and they still blow me away and leave me speechless when I watch them. And the interesting thing is you only get glimpses. A glimpse is all it takes to fall in love with these creatures. Dan Harley and the Zoos Victoria team are not giving up the fight for this species' survival. I think the biggest challenge for leadbeater's possums, to be honest, is building the community will. A lot of people still don't understand this species and, you know, they're our Victorian faunal emblem. They're phenomenal, gorgeous little possums with these big eyes and these cryptic little lifestyles that I love learning about. And I think that at the root cause of the issues driving these possums to extinction, we have to look at how we manage their habitat.
Victorians have every right right now to be saying, hang on a second, this is our possum. What's the plan? Thanks to Dr Dan Harley for your time and generosity in showing us around Yellingbow Nature Conservation Reserve and to Rachel Lowry for your input into this episode. Fauna is produced by Bridie Smith and Beck Fari for Zoos Victoria, hosted by Annie Last. This is the final episode of this season of Fauna. To listen to past episodes and for more information about the stories we've covered, head to zoo.org.au slash fauna. Zoos Victoria operates three campuses, Hillsville Sanctuary, Melbourne Zoo and Werribee Open Range Zoo and is a zoo-based conservation organisation fighting extinction to secure a future rich in wildlife.